Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction with Philippe Noren and Fergal Armstrong. In the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we're going to be talking about inhalants. And this follows on from an earlier episode that we did talking about nitrous oxide. In this episode, we're expanding the scope and talking about a wider range of, of chemicals, but mainly the volatile hydrocarbons and nitrites as well. And it's quite interesting, isn't it, this, this group of, of substances that fall in this inhalant category, Fergal, because they're quite disparate in their mechanism of action and how they work when you can consider volatile hydrocarbons to, to, to nitrites. It's, 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 they are in the same group because they're gases that are inhaled, and we'll talk about the different inhaling techniques, but they work in very different ways, don't they? Yeah, I mean, the, the term inhalants, I think, is, a, is a, it's basically represents a smorgasbord of specific chemicals that can cause euphoria and also cause you know harm to the body and i think firstly i think it would be useful to actually analyze what exactly do we mean by inhalants because there are lots of words banded around nitrides volatiles aromatics uh, you know hydrocarbons so i think first of all we need to make the first classification as the hydrocarbons and the nitrites right so <clears throat> If we talk, I'll talk about the hydrocarbons and then you can go on to the nitrates. So for me, the hydrocarbons are classified as the aliphatic hydrocarbons, the cyclic hydrocarbons, the aromatic hydrocarbons, and the halogenated hydrocarbons. And, you know, if we give specific examples of that, so the aliphatic hydrocarbons are things like butane, propane, and kerosene. So they're the kind of the fuels, right? Uh, we talk about the cyclic hydrocarbons. We're talking about terpenoid hydrocarbonines and, and so like pine oil. So these are the scents that are put into polishes, right? So, so from fuels, we move to polishes. And then if we talk about then the uh, aromatic hydrocarbons, we're particularly talking about hydrocarbons that have got a, a benzene ring in them. And so these are things like, well, benzene, you know, and other kinds of, of uh, fuels as well, uh, and also solvents. And then if we're talking about the halogenated hydrocarbons, we're talking about things like tetrachloroethylene. So these are very much the solvents. Uh, and toluene is, toluene is also uh, an aromatic hydrocarbon, and that's got a benzene ringing, ring in it as well. So those are the hydrocarbons. And literally, a hydrocarbon simply means a carbon atom with a lot of hydrogen atoms on it. You know, that's what... Um, hydrocarbons mean, but it's the number of hydrocarbons, it's the number of carbon atoms, it's the number of uh, the length of the chain, also the uh, arrangement of the chain into a benzene ring or into a non-benzene cyclic structure plus additional molecules that, that, that produce all of the different effects. Moving on to nitrites, I'll let you talk about nitrites. How would you classify nitrites so nitrites are a, gl a group of substances that have been around for quite some time and essentially they exert their, their effect on the human body by being profound vasodilators. There is a medical indication for some of these nitrites. They're used in angina pectoris to kind of, in, in angina, you can get smooth uh, muscle contraction of the blood vessels around the heart. So nitrites serve as a dilator to increase blood flow. But this is a systemic effect. So the effect of nitrites when they're misused is that they, um, they cause vasodilation. They can cause a, a pleasurable sensation, a warm, rushing sensation. And in terms of recreational use, uh, 
with nitrites, what they do is they, with that smooth um, muscle relaxation and that vasodilation, they can cause a warm uh, feeling of uh, a warm rush, um, which can be quite pleasurable. And it's also used as a chemsex drug, particularly in men who have sex with men, where it can um, increase the, the, the length of penile erections and can relax the anal sphincter as well. So it's, it's commonly used uh, in, in those functions. And it's been used um, in human history for, for quite some time. So you can see how there's a huge disparity between nitrites and hydrocarbons. Uh, both in their in their mechanism. Well, I haven't even gone into the mechanism of action of the of the inhaled hydrocarbons, but basically, they're completely different uh, molecules, and yet they're array, they're classified in the same group in terms of of their addiction potential. So I I think it's actually an inaccurate description of a smorgasbord. I said, if I could just focus in on the mechanism of action of of um, uh, the, the hydrocarbons, they basically all cause a certain amount of euphoria in the brain, and then they all have uh, cerebral depressant effects subsequent to that euphoria. And the, the mechanism of action is basically is they alter the fluidity characteristics of the membranes, and in particular, they physically affect the functioning of GABA and NMDA receptors, and so ultimately, that causes euphoria and then a depression. And that's a completely different mechanism of action to the nitrites, which are basically vasodilators. So you, you get cerebral vasodilatation causing that warm rush feeling. So, you know, they, I don't understand and I never really have understood why they are classified in the same, uh, same area. You know, they, they've got different mechanisms. They're used by different people. And they've got different side effects. And I guess talking about this you're quite you're quite right in the sense that that they are quite a disparate group of substances. But when we're talking about say the harms associated with them, the hydrocarbons mm. compared to the nitrites have some specific harms that affect a, mm. a wide range of organ systems. Could you talk yeah. a bit about some of the specific harms related to the hydrocarbons, and in particular that the halogenated hydrocarbons are, are notorious for for their harms as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just want to compare the harms of hydrocarbons to the harms of nitrates. Really, there aren't that many harms of nitrates. So, what's your, what, so if you vasodilate the brain, you're going to get a pounding headache. If you vasodilate the nose, you're going to get a blocked nose. If you vasodilate the arteries into the penis, you're going to get an erection. And if that lasts for more than four hours, you might get priapism. And if you vasodilate the, sorry, if you, if you relax the smooth muscle of the anal sphincter, you're going to get a relaxation of the anal sphincter. Uh, you know, you, you're going to engage in, in some form of chemsex and you may actually cause trauma to yourself. But the hydrocarbons are profoundly harmful to effectively every organ system of the body. I can't say that enough. I can't emphasize the harms of hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbons are very harmful to practically every tissue of the body. So rather than uh, you know a large exploration of all the organ systems, let's focus on a couple of the of, of the of the really serious ones. So let's talk about the the brain. Let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about the lungs, and let's talk about the kidneys. Right. So let's talk about the brain first of all. What does it do? So it basically, all hydrocarbons are lipid soluble. They 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 get inhaled. They get uh, they cross the blood-brain barrier very very quickly. They alter the fluidity of the cells of the brain and they affect the receptor function, in particular the GABA and NMDA. They cause a an initial euphoria followed by 
a CNS depression. And you can get profound CNS depression. It's associated with uh, actual major depressive disorder. So it can actually cause a depression. And with other forms of CNS depression, you know, it can cause an ataxia and it can cause an, a confusion. It can cause uh, particularly cranial nerve palsies associated with toluene uh, and, and seizures. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it basically destroys the brain. If we look at the heart, hydrocarbons, and in particular the halogenated hydrocarbons, can cause myocardial sensitization to adrenaline. And what that means then is that anytime you get an adrenaline rush, you, the, the sensitized myocardium can then develop potentially lethal tachyarrhythmias. So the heart can go into an abnormal rhythm. It can kill you just because you've got a bit of an adrenaline rush. And if you think about the epidemiology, right? So who, basically, the epidemiology of inhalant misuse is basically adolescence, right? So adolescents inhale, stim, inhale inhalants. You know, they go off and do their glue sniffing. They get a sensitized myocardium. They then go and exercise or play football, and then they drop dead because they've got a sensitized myocardium. But they also masturbate. And masturbation causes an adrenaline rush which in the context of a sensitized myocardium can also cause you to drop dead. So for, for, for adolescents listening to this, just think about this. If you're going to go glue sniffing, you have a significant risk of dying and your mother finding you dead with your pants down by your ankles and your hands around your penis. Not a good look, is it? No. No. <laughs> The next thing to look at is the, 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 the lung harms. Basically, all inhalants cause direct chemical injury to the lungs. So it causes a chemical pneumonitis. And then in the kidneys, it causes metabolic... There they, are uses associated with metabolic acidosis and kidney stones. You can also have specific drugs that cause specific harms, in particular toluene. Not only does it cause a, a metabolic acidosis, but it can also cause a rhabdomyolysis, and that can cause you know, renal impairment as well. So that's a, a, a quick run through the harms of uh, the hydrocarbons, which, and, you know, they're much more complex and significantly more serious than the harms of nitrates. Absolutely. And I guess if, if I were to just add on a couple of the harms of the nitrites, the other one that we, we sometimes see is that uh, nitrites can cause a, an acquired methemoglobinemia. So you do need to be aware yeah. of that. And also nitrite vapors so can what be is that, flammable and you can get... So methemoglobinemia yeah. is essentially when the oxygen carrying capacity of hemoglobin is decreased. So you are yeah. no longer able to fully saturate the hemoglobin molecule. So it can affect, cause significant systemic effects. And also nitrite yeah. can be highly flammable. So you can get burns, especially if it's exposed to, yeah. to flames as well. I was just going to say, I mean, one more harm that I think really we need to emphasize is sudden death. The risk of death due to hydrocarbons is high because not only does it sensitize the myocardium to, to adrenaline, it also can cause hypoxia. So you can get an immediate replacement of oxygen in your lungs with hydrocarbons, and then you can, that can cause death. And then, of course, you can get the hypoxia secondary to the chemical pneumonitis. So I want to emphasize the point. Hydrocarbons can kill you. Absolutely. 
Now, going on to how people use inhalants, there's three common like techniques, I guess, for for mm. for using inhalants, and those are sniffing, yeah. huffing, and bagging. Could you yeah. explain a bit about the differences? Because I, I think a lot of us have heard these terms, but don't really know what the difference is in 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 how yeah. people use these techniques. Yeah. So sniffing, basically, you're sniffing fumes from a, a, a volatile hydrocarbon. So you put it on on a on, I don't know a plate. You know, you might stick a candle underneath the plate, and you know, you basically get that hydrocarbon into the gaseous form, and then you're sitting forward and you're sniffing it. Huffing is basically the inhalation of hydrocarbons when they're applied to a cloth, and then that cloth goes to your nose, and that's effectively what we did originally when we were in the late 19th century when we were inventing anesthetics, because that's what that's how people were were exposed to chloroform. Um, you know, so, you know, when you were going for your first anesthetic, you, you know, they put the chloroform in the cloth and they put the cloth to your nose and you breathed it in and that's huffing. And of course, the old joke is because the anesthetist was also exposed to the, to the uh, chloroform as well. The old joke is that the surgeon says to the anesthetist, well, look, if the patient can stay awake for this operation, maybe you could too. And then, of course, we have bagging where basically you have the hydrocarbon in a bag and you, 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 you put the entrance of the bag to your mouth and then you're inhaling in a fixed circuit, in a fixed circuit of, of, of airflow. You're repeatedly inhaling and exhaling again. Now, bagging is the most dangerous because it, it provides you with the highest concentration of hydrocarbon exposure into the lungs. And therefore, you're getting a higher dose of hydrocarbons in the lungs. You're replacing oxygen with hydrocarbons, and you're also you're rapidly increasing the amount of hydrocarbons that are getting to the heart and the and the brain. Now, in particular, there's another way of bagging where you put the hydrocarbon in a bag and then you put the whole bag around your head and you tie it around around the around your neck. That's perhaps the most way. That's the the most dangerous way of bagging, and it's also. As far as I'm concerned, if I ever see someone with that presentation, I'm thinking that this was an acute, this was a deliberate suicide attempt. So, mm -hmm. sniffing, huffing, bagging, bagging gives the most gives you the highest concentration of exposure to hydrocarbons, and is also the potentially the most lethal. And, and I think one of the things to, to realize is sometimes it can be hard to, to to diagnose some of these things in that there are very few physical signs. There is the typical glue sniffers rash, which is an eczematous rash yeah. in the perioral area. But other than yeah. sometimes the end organ effects that you've already um, elucidated yeah. as well, there are very few acute physical signs. You, you, you often pick this up or detect this when the damage has already been done, unfortunately, clinically. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's got very few hard and fast immediate physical signs other than glue sniffers my rash. And I, I suppose, I mean, if we're going to move into, you know, how you actually treat this, I mean, one of the key things that I say is you don't actually see any abnormal signs of lung disease in the early in the early presentation of uh, hydrocarbon exposure. So a normal respiratory exam does not exclude, sorry, a, a normal expiratory exam at the point or shortly after exposure does not exclude lung damage. It takes at least six hours for the chemical pneumonitis to occur. So really, if you've got someone who, who has a history of exposure to hydrocarbons, 
They have to be observed for at least six hours, and you, you have to diagnose chemical pneumonitis, not on clinical examination, but on chest X-ray. So you have to do a, a four to six hour chest X-ray to diagnose the early stages of chemical pneumonitis, which is the thing that's going to kill someone or if they've escaped the myocardial sensitivity and they're not seizing because they've been exposed to hydrocarbons. So it's one of those things where you've got to have a sorry, you've got to have a very low threshold of suspicion, and you've got to be aware that a normal immediate exam does not mean the patient is safe to go home. And the thing is, a lot of the management is supportive. You are just yeah. supporting the patient when they've come to you, and you're dealing with whatever complication yeah. is is there. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah. the the treatment is psychosocial support and relapse mm. prevention. Um, so yeah. it's really trying to engage that adolescent, and it, this can be quite difficult as well when when you've got um, a, a, a vulnerable, uh, usually adolescent, um, who's just come out of an acute medical event, and trying to educate them and provide that that supportive care because we do know that ongoing use and relapse is likely to be higher and the complications are probably going to get worse over time. Yeah. And also it's good to bear in mind in terms of the epidemiology, we, yes, we, we, we do know that inhalant misuse is a disease essentially of adolescence. Um, it's also accident, accidental ingestion is a disease of children who accidentally drink a liquid from a bottle and adults get it when they're trying to siphon fuel. But effectively, hydrocarbon exposure is a disease of adolescence. Um, now, adolescents who do engage in hydrocarbon exposure usually are suffering from conduct disorder. They will get major depression as a result of this, and also it is a gateway to worsening substance use. So really, when you see someone in this situation as an addiction specialist or someone who's interested in the field of addiction, it's really, really important to view this presentation as a cry for help and an immediate need for significant psychosocial interventions. Um, you know, there's there's no antidote to this to, to this problem. There's, it's not like opioid uh, use disorder where you can go into opioid pharmacology. It's all about understanding the reasons why the patient, why the adolescent is actually engaging in this risky behavior, and what can you do to to help them with their self esteem, their hope, their identity, their their what's what meaning they've got in life, and what they plan for their own future. A lot of adolescents who do engage in this kind of uh, inhalant misuse have got no hope for their future. Mm -hmm. So it's connecting them with their future that I think is absolutely crucial in helping them. Indeed. And I guess in the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we've talked about um, two inhalants. Uh, we've talked about nitrites and the hydrocarbons the different mechanisms of action, the different complications each of them cause, uh, and also the, the treatment options and the supportive care options to, to deal with people who are suffering from inhalant issues. So thanks again for your attention on this episode of Cracking Addiction. Please do remember to like and subscribe to both the YouTube channel and the podcast, and bye for now.